As Earth Keepers, we hold wisdom about our planet within our bodies learned through lifetimes of experience on Earth and throughout the cosmos. I'm Amy Dempster, a shamanic practitioner and your host for the Earth Keepers podcast, and I'm on a journey to reconnect with my soul family, the other Earth Keepers, grid workers, portal tenders, land stewards, and nature lovers around the world. On this podcast, you won't find gurus or dogma, just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. Happy New Year, Earth Keepers! We did it. Here we are in 2021. And if you came here hoping that I'd looked into my crystal ball over the last two weeks and knew exactly what was coming up this year, you're going to be disappointed. Okay, maybe not totally disappointed. I will share a bit about what's been coming through for me about this year, but first, here's what's interesting. Pretty much every intuitive friend I have has been telling me the same thing. They can't see much about this year. Outside of astrologers who can look at the stars and give us a bit of a roadmap about what to expect, the rest of us have felt a bit like we're in the dark. But over the last few weeks, I've taken some much-needed downtime, and as I've rested and cleared my mind, bits and pieces of information and inspiration have begun to flow in. And one of the big messages is that we don't need to see what's coming. Honestly, it's probably a trauma response after living through 2020 that we just want a bit of a heads up to prepare ourselves. But you know what? That's not the point. The point of living in these human bodies here on the earth plane is to learn to live in the now. And how many times do we need to be reminded about that? I mean, for me... I need to be reminded every day, or maybe even every hour. My sun and moon are in Virgo, so let's just say that I like to have a plan. But we don't need it. We're going to be okay. So do your best not to doom scroll for hours of every day, finding things to worry about that haven't even happened to you yet. Stay in the moment. That's where we have the actual power to make changes or take action. Now, with that caveat, let me share a bit about what has been shown to me. To me, 2021 feels like being a caterpillar inside a chrysalis. On the one hand, the caterpillar is safe, held, and protected within its cocoon. It may seem from the outside like everything is quiet, but on the inside, a complete transformation is taking place. The caterpillar's body is broken apart to create a butterfly. That may sound a bit terrifying at this point, but here's the thing. The caterpillar knows exactly how to do this. It's a natural part of its life cycle and evolution, just as the ascension process is for us. We have been weathering years of activation after activation. Our bodies have been totally rebuilt, and we're not caterpillars anymore. Now we have totally new bodies and wings, but we may not totally be sure how all of these new pieces work yet. So now in this year, it's time to start figuring it out. 
I've been getting downloads to share with you even more about vibration and frequency and how these new light bodies of ours function. We're ready for some next level energy skills. But honestly, I'm still playing around and figuring it out for myself. So as I slowly come back here on the podcast and in my other online spaces, I'll begin to share more. But in the meanwhile, one of the other big downloads I received over the holiday break was that I should share the energy of a unique place in nature with you every month. If you listened to the last episode, and I'll link it in the show notes if you missed it, then you heard me say that my Bigfoot guides showed me how to create an energetic essence of a place in nature and transfer it to another person so that you can receive the healing energy of that place. It only takes a moment, and I basically hand the energy to your higher self, who then puts it wherever it's most needed in your body. You might feel a warmness when this happens, or a rush of energy, or maybe even receive an activation or a healing. There's nothing you need to do except be open to accepting the energy. Your higher self will accept it, or not, if it's not something you need. I love this idea just as soon as it flowed through to me. So on the first podcast episode each month going forward, I'll be sharing the essence of a different location with you. And at the same time I received this idea, I was also told which location to share with you for January. And although I don't have all the latest and greatest energy management techniques figured out to share with you yet, I know they want me to share this place first because it's the foundation for everything this year. This is where we need to begin in 2021, with our hearts. We are wrapping up a month of intense quantum heart activations, and I'm guessing you felt it at least at some point in the last few weeks. It may have been heart palpitations, a racing heart, anxiety, upper back pain, or just the feeling that your heart was going to break wide open. However it manifested for you, it was an enormous collective shakeup to open our hearts. And not just to open our hearts for each other. The challenge first is to open our hearts for ourselves, to love ourselves first. Because we need to find our way to that place in order to use these new energy bodies. So although my crystal ball isn't showing me any spoilers for the months ahead, I'm guessing this will be a big lesson for us all this year, truly learning to work with the power of our hearts. So with that, let me tell you the story about the cave in the desert where I received a profound heart chakra activation. And at the end, I'll share the essence of this place with you. Perhaps it will be just what you need to kick off 2021. So this story started over spring break nearly two years ago, when I drove from Montana to Nevada to meet up with my friend and fellow healer, Amr. After staying with us for a month while she'd been traveling in her RV, she then spent a month in Las Vegas with another friend. And during that time, we both knew that we were going to meet back up soon. But we weren't sure when or how, so we just kind of waited to see what messages we received. It didn't take long for the details to become clear. As it turned out, we soon heard from two readers of my blog, who were also friends with Amr, that they were headed to Vegas at the end of the month and wanted to meet up with us. 
We thought this sounded like a good plan and started figuring out the details. I sent an email out to my email list saying something like, hey, I'm taking a trip to the desert in two weeks. It's super informal, there's no agenda, and I have no idea what's going to happen there. But if this sounds like a good time to you, send me a note and we'll coordinate plans. Can you believe anyone would even say yes to that? (laughs) Meeting a group of strangers from the internet to go camping in the desert? Even my husband was like, wait, what are you doing now? But I did have one person reach out to say, I don't know why I need to be there, but I'm coming. So our group of five was all set. And don't worry, we all had some FaceTime calls together ahead of time to get to know each other and make sure everyone seemed relatively normal, at least as far as normal can be in our world. The only problem with our plan was that I was being told by my guides that I was absolutely not to go to Las Vegas. The energy was not good for me there, and they didn't want me setting foot in the city. They told me to meet everyone in Mesquite, which is about an hour or so east of Vegas. They also repeatedly told me that our work would be under the stars. So I knew we needed to go camping, and it needed to be somewhere dark. After some online research, we found only one campground in about a 100-mile radius that accepted reservations, which we might not have otherwise worried about, but it was spring break and a major destination. So there were six of us traveling from four different states. The last thing we wanted was to end up in the desert with nowhere to stay or waste time driving from campground to campground to find an open spot. In retrospect, Spirit had this all worked out, of course, and their plans became clear almost as soon as we arrived at our campground. This place was only 25 miles south of Mesquite, but it took us two hours of driving over narrow, bumpy BLM roads to reach it. To call it remote would be an understatement, but I nearly gasped when I got out of my car. The views of the desert plateau straight into the Grand Canyon were jaw-dropping. It was worth every pothole we hit to get there. We didn't exactly know what we would be doing in this place or why we'd been called there. It was a little too strange that there were no other campgrounds with availability in such a wide area. But the story began to unfold the moment I put my car in park. I was immediately greeted by the volunteer camp host for the weekend, Judy. She explained that her great-grandfather had purchased these 200 acres in 1910, and that her large family had gone to great lengths to hold on to it over the generations. Her brother was now the owner, and had spent the last two years rehabbing it into a campground so that other people could enjoy it, and they'd just opened it a few months back. Unfortunately, He'd recently been very sick, so she had been making the six-hour drive between her home and the campground to take care of the place and the guests. And she immediately told me what a deep, spiritual connection her family had to this land. Uh Uh-huh. And so it began. We had arrived a few hours later than anticipated, so we had to hustle a bit to set up camp and make dinner before it got too late and too cold. But... Once we were done with our chores, we settled into what was called the Rock House, a small lodge that Judy's uncle and cousin had built by hand to begin our work for the weekend and receive our instructions. 
Amr and I had tried repeatedly in the week or two before the trip to get details about what we would be doing, and we were both told that we would receive the messages once we arrived. So now, the five of us settled in at the dining table with our notebooks and pens to find out. I passed around some of my favorite essential oils for channeling and journeying, and everyone picked one that they wanted to work with. After putting a drop or two in our hands and inhaling the potent plants, I led the group in a shamanic journey to meet the keeper of the land and ask for any information or instructions for the weekend. When we concluded our journey, we each shared the details we had seen, experienced, or heard. Each person received different pieces of information, but there were also quite a few similarities. Ultimately, every spirit that we met that evening, either as a group or individually, ended up interacting with us over the course of our stay there. On that first night, one person met a giant yeti in his journey who asked him to follow him to a cave. He had to crouch down to get into the cave and then waved for him to come inside. He pointed towards some kind of monument in the middle of the cave where he should leave an offering. But when he shared the story with us, the rest of us were able to tune into the cave as well. Amr picked up that it had a green heart chakra vibration, and I could see the shape of the opening. But how were we supposed to find it? We were smack in the middle of the 300,000-acre Gold Butte National Monument. It was going to be like finding a needle in a haystack. Two people also mentioned picking up lion or tiger energy. And when they mentioned that, I intuitively scribbled in my notebook that the lion or the tiger is in the earth. I had no idea what that even meant. Collectively, we also connected with a young woman in a prairie-style dress who said she died on the land there 127 years ago and also met a very stoic old man with a white beard. I received the message that the spirits present wanted to be in ceremony with us. The five of us that were gathered there were from a variety of backgrounds, cultures, and faiths. They wanted us to join hands, join our energy, and call the spirits forward. I was told that a new dream is coming into being on this land, and that we were the first ones to come together there as a group in this way. There's deep healing energy available in this place, and it was our job to call the energy of others who need to receive this healing. They also said that this land is a difficult place to reach by design. Not everyone can get there, but those who resonate with the energy there can find it. After comparing notes, we felt like none of us met with any spirit that we believed to be the keeper of the land. Apparently, it wasn't time yet. We went to bed that night after spending some time looking through the telescope at the full moon, excited about what would happen the next day. But as it turned out, none of us slept that well, and it wasn't out of excitement. I slept in my tent, another person was in the back of her SUV, and everyone else was in Amr's RV. When we all gathered in the morning, we each had some unusual experiences. Amr wrote, woke up very suddenly in the middle of the night, feeling like she couldn't breathe, and actually tumbled out of the loft bed in a bit of a panic. When she was fully awake, she realized that the stoic man was standing outside the RV, just looking in the window. The Yeti was also outside, walking back and forth between the RV and my tent. She got the impression that the Yeti was anxious for us to do what we would came for, and had to tell him to hold his horses until the sun was up. 
Christy, who was the one sleeping in the back of her car, saw the old man too. He stood right outside her car and looked into her window as well. But he didn't seem intimidating or frightening. He was just watching. Meanwhile, I had woken up a few times because the moon was so bright that it felt like there was a flashlight shining into my tent. So I couldn't really be sure if I was awake or asleep when I suddenly felt my tent being dragged across the ground. Although it didn't feel like the tent was actually on the ground. It was sliding very, very fast, like it was on ice. I almost shouted out thinking that somebody was playing a trick on me. And then I realized I'd been asleep and my tent was still staked to the ground. But there was no way that was a dream. I wasn't really sure what had just happened. So I wrapped myself up tighter in my blanket and put myself in a protective bubble of light and tried to go back to sleep. But I couldn't. While laying there, listening to the quiet, I realized there was something very large standing outside my tent. It had two giant hairy legs. Its waist was as high as the top of the tent, but I couldn't sense anything above that. I now realize that it was either the Yeti or my own Bigfoot guide protecting me, but in my middle-of-the-night haze, I couldn't quite put all of the pieces together in my brain. So at some point, I nodded back off and didn't wake back up until the morning. As I was puttering around camp, making some tea and enjoying the warm desert sun in the morning, I saw Judy and asked her if she knew about a cave we could visit. You mean the ice caves, she said? I had to admit to her that I actually had no idea what cave I was talking about. But if these ice caves were nearby, that's where we wanted to go. So she called her cousin, who seemed to be the family oracle on how to find things in the desert. He texted us the GPS coordinates of the cave and described exactly how to get there. It was only a few miles away by car, he told us, and the hike in was easy. You just had to know where you were going and what to look for. After breakfast, we piled into two vehicles with a vague idea of what we were looking for and headed deeper into the desert. We crossed the Arizona state line, went up and over a small hill, and when we turned a corner, the giant rock formation suddenly came into view. I wasn't sure when I first saw it if that's where we were headed, but if it wasn't, that's where I wanted to go. It was calling to us for sure. Oh, and by the way, there's a link in the show notes to the original blog post I wrote about this trip with photos of the cave and our experience there if you want to see it for yourself. Anyhow, we parked the cars just off the road at the wash, as instructed, and started walking towards the rocks. We all started receiving information as we walked closer. I asked for permission to visit, and it was granted. An ancestor spirit told me that this was the true heart of the land in this area, and they wanted to share it with us. I felt like I was being pulled towards the cave by my heart. Christy was feeling an overwhelming amount of emotion and we all heard or felt the spirits welcoming us to this place. As we reached the rock formation and we started climbing up the trail, we walked slowly. The energy was so strong, but loving. One of the people in the group who was totally new to energy work walked up and placed his hand on the rocks and realized that he could feel the energy buzzing through his body. He hadn't had that experience before and was excited to actually feel it. We each walked along the trail at our own pace and were just slightly spread out, 
when Amr shouted from behind us to look at a face profile on the side of the rock. We all stopped to look and could see it so clearly that I picked my phone up to take a photo. I didn't quite have the right angle, so I took a few steps to the side, held my camera up, and immediately said, oh my god, right next to the face profile on the side of the rock was a giant lion face. It wasn't totally visible with the naked eye, but when I took a photo, it was the only thing I could see, a huge cat face. I remembered that there was a lion or tiger connection from our journey the previous night, and also that Christy had emailed me the prior week to say that she'd been journeying in one of the portals on my property and that a lion had repeatedly come to sit with her in meditation, but never gave her any med- messages. His name was Jin Ra, and there he was, in the earth, as I'd heard the night before, guiding our path to the cave. Seriously amazing. So we continued on the trail around the rocks until we came to the slightly hidden opening on the backside. You really wouldn't know from a distance that this was anything but a large rock formation. And then there's this huge shrub growing in the cave opening that you kind of have to duck under and shimmy around. It's not totally clear that there is a cave inside. But when I walked inside and turned the corner, I couldn't believe it. Not only were the red rocks stunningly beautiful, there was a column of light descending right into the back middle section of the cave. I had seen an exact vision of this in meditation the prior week and was told it would be healing and activating and would assist in clearing karma. We each took turns standing in the sunbeam, absorbing the light code straight into our hearts. I swear, I don't think I'll ever not be blown away by spirit and this magical earth that we live on. Anyhow, we each took a few minutes to walk around and enjoy the beautiful space before we intuitively knew it was time to start tuning in. We all spread out, each found a place to sit and took out our notebooks. The spirits joined us in ceremony as they had requested during our journey. The Yeti stood in the doorway to the cave his job to get us to this place was complete. I heard that they'd all gathered here to wait for us. As we sat quietly, we all began to realize that there was a small portal of energy floating above us in the middle of the cave, but it was shaped differently than most we'd seen. This was in the shape of a Merkaba, or what you may be familiar with as the Star of David. Oh my god, I realized, we were under a star. As per usual, I had taken the spiritual message of our work being under the stars. A bit too literal. But whatever, it clearly worked to get us where we need to be. And it was green, as Amr had sensed. It was spinning slowly at first, but as we tuned into it and shared a few chants, it began spinning very fast. Christy connected with Jinra, who now identified himself as the keeper of the land there. He asked us to release anything that burdened us and to leave it behind in the cave. As we each began releasing our own personal burdens, we were overcome with emotion. Lots of tears were shed as we felt the deep connection and love from the spirits and energies in this place. I was told that the portal is incredibly pure. These spirits have been caring for it and protecting it for many generations. 
but they wanted us to experience this pure love energy so that we can carry it back out into the world and share it. They asked that we help to be stewards of this energy and told us that we are all forgiven and cleansed. After this collective healing, the spirits began dancing for us in celebration and to cleanse the energy we left behind. We slowly began to stand up and realized that we needed to leave an offering. Each of us had kind of intuitively picked up a rock on our hike in, and now we knew why. They needed to be left here in the cave to show our gratitude. We wanted to arrange the stones in a heart shape to honor the love energy there and began adding other stones to the outline and realized how many of the stones in the cave that we picked up were already heart-shaped. The love energy in this place is so strong. After our offering was complete, we decided to call our collective journey the heart beneath the stars. And on a total side note, there were a lot of dualistic connections to this weekend. Light and dark, masculine and feminine, And we realized when we looked at our photos that the cave had a very female-shaped entrance and that we'd somehow accidentally created a bit of a phallic symbol in our offering. You'll have to go check out the photo on my blog. We all laughed really hard when we realized what we'd intuitively done. Even the offering itself was placed half in the light and half in the shadow. Funny how those things happen, huh? So finally. We gathered around the stones, joined hands, and gave thanks to the spirits and each other. As we gathered our things to leave, we noticed that the column of light was gone. The sun had shifted in the time we'd been inside the cave and was no longer shining in. Had we arrived at the cave any other time than we did, we would not have seen or experienced that activating light. The spirits had guided us to be at the exact place and time that was needed. I don't know why I had been worried at all. As we walked out of the cave and back around the rock formation, we found ancient petroglyph drawings in multiple places that we hadn't seen on the way in. People have been visiting this cave for a very, very long time. We were in awe of the experience we just had, and we're just kind of floating around in this love energy. And a few hours later, two of the people had to leave to head back to Las Vegas for their work commitments in town the next morning. And After they left, Christy and Amr and I were reviewing the photos we'd all taken. This time, it was Christy who gasped. As she was flipping through her pictures, she realized she caught something very unique. The actual image of the spinning energy in the middle of the cave. It's even green. I mean, whoa. (laughs) I don't need confirmation of intuitive experiences anymore to believe them, but it's always fun when it happens. And all of this happened in the first 24 hours of our visit. There was more work and more spirits to encounter, but I'll save those stories for another day. Truly, this was an experience none of us will ever forget. And although I might not be able to send you an email today and ask you to meet me in the desert in two weeks, I can share the energy of this beautiful place with you. So if you can, take a moment to close your eyes, Take a deep breath in and accept the energy I'm sending to you now. I'll be quiet for just a minute to allow you to receive it. And if you're reading the transcript, I've infused the energy into this document so you can also receive it that way. Okay, here comes the heart chakra energy from the desert cave. 
And so it is. Thank you so much for joining me today. As always, I'm honored that you're joining me on this journey. Have a beautiful week full of love, and I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so honored to share this journey with you. I would love it if you join me and other Earth Keepers from around the world in the Following Hawks Earth Keepers community on Facebook. To find the show notes, additional resources, or learn more about working with me, go to earthkeeperspodcast.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the multiverse.